The Apostle Paul, uh, speaking here to spouses, and he says, out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership. Say leadership. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery. I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Wow, isn't that awesome? I mean, I think we could have the benediction right now, but we're not going to. Because this morning I want to talk to you about the Ten Commandments of marriage. Ten Commandments of Marriage. Father, I thank you today for the Word of God. Father, I thank you that your Word doesn't just tell us how to get to heaven, and I'm so grateful and so thankful that it does. But I thank you that your Word tells me how I should live my life in every area, in every aspect, in every phase of my life, including my marriage. God, I just pray today that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Open our ears today. May we all receive today the word of the Lord that we need to receive today. And Lord, may we not only receive it, but may we apply it to our everyday life. And especially in the life of our relationships and in the life of our marriage. All of these things I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. Well, you may be reseated this morning. I want to begin today by asking those of you who have already tuned me out to tune me back in. You might say, but pastor, I'm not married. And you're talking about marriage this morning, and so I'm I'm not married. Well, wonderful. Wonderful. And it's good. If you're not married, it's good that you're here today. You really need this teaching Would it be wise to know something about marriage before you entered into it? You might be sitting there and you might be thinking, but pastor, I have a wonderful marriage. I've been married for 30 years and my marriage is great. I don't need this. Why wait until something breaks down before giving it any attention? Here's what I know after 42 years of marriage. Marriage only works if you work at your marriage. 
And marriage will only continue to work if it is maintained. You see, just as an automobile needs regular and specific maintenance and tune-ups in order to keep it running smoothly, so does marriage. Well, this morning I'm going to share with you what I'm calling the Ten Commandments of marriage. Now, since I have ten points today, I'm going to need a little extra time. And so I'm going to ask how many of you this morning will give me another five minutes? I've got 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. I've got plenty of time today. Thank you so very much. Actually, we're going to play hit and run today. All right? We're going to play hit and run today. I'm just going to hit on each one of these points, and then we're going to run to the next one, all right? Let me give you five things this morning that we should do in marriage and five things that we should not do. Five things we ought to do, five things we ought not do. We'll start out with five things that we should not do. Number one, this morning, don't expect your mate to make you happy. Don't go into marriage expecting that my spouse, my mate, is going to make me happy. See, here's what I know. If you're an unhappy person before marriage, you're going to be an unhappy person after marriage. If you're an unhappy person without kids, you're going to be unhappy even if you get kids. Because happiness is a choice. And some people simply choose to be unhappy. They're always unhappy. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. They're always unhappy. Nothing ever quite measures up for them. They're unhappy with everyone, and they're unhappy with everything. If you're dating an unhappy person, I've got some advice for you this morning. Run! Because they're going to bring their unhappiness into your marriage. The fact that you marry them, the fact that they become married, that, 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 that will not in and of itself make them happy. Let me tell you this morning, I believe that marriage is awesome. It's awesome. I've been married 42 years, and marriage is awesome. If if you're married to the right person, and if you are continually working on your marriage. But marriage alone will not make you happy. Marriage will actually add complications and new dimensions of complexity to your life. You think your life is complex now? Wait till you add a mate. You think your, your, your life is complex now? Just wait till, till after you're married a while and kids come along. And if it's a second marriage where children are involved, it magnifies the situation even more. How many of you are encouraged now? You know, we hear a lot these days about blended families. I was thinking about that the other day when I was putting this together. Have you ever watched what a blender does? We talk about blended families today. Oh, but have you ever watched what a what a blender does when it mixes all that stuff up and grinds it all down? Just saying. Second thing you should not do in marriage is number two, don't exaggerate your mate's faults. Don't exaggerate your mate's faults. Does your mate have faults? If you're married to a human, they do. And you saw their faults when you were dating, but somehow you talked yourself into believing that these faults would somehow magically, miraculously disappear after you got married. Sorry! Your spouse comes to you, warts and all, faults and all, problems and all. And why do we minimize each other's faults before marriage, then maximize them after we get married? And speaking of of, of faults, number three, don't excuse your own faults. 
Why is it that, that on a scale of 1 to 10 we see our mate's faults as an 8 or a 9 or a 10, but, but we only see our faults as maybe a 2 or a 3 or perhaps a 4? Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. Jesus said, why do you say to somebody else, here, oh, let me help you remove the toothpick out of your eye. Jesus said, when you have a huge boulder in your own eye. Don't exaggerate your mate's faults while excusing your own. And the truth of the matter is we all have our faults. All of us are strong in some areas and we are very weak in other areas. And usually God puts people together whose strengths and weaknesses are opposite so they can balance one another out. For example, I'm laid back and easygoing and I'm a people pleaser and so God balanced me out by putting Don in my life who is aggressive and hard hitting and has a bulldog type of personality (laughs) maybe I had those backwards number four this morning don't explore other options People live in a fantasy world today. Television and movies have created an unrealistic and unsustainable picture of love and sex and intimacy. A man looks, he should not, and I'm preaching against that, but a man looks at a picture of a nude woman in a magazine that has been photoshopped and airbrushed. And he watches a movie where the woman rips the clothes off of her lover. She meets him at the door with nothing on but saran wrap. And somehow he feels cheated. Reality just doesn't quite measure up. He looks at other couples who who seem to have it all together. He begins to think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Let me help you out this morning. If the grass is greener on the other side of your fence, it simply means that your neighbor takes better care of his yard. Or it could be the grass is greener on the other side of the fence because it is growing on top of a sewer. The fourth commandment of marriage, don't explore other options, whether that be pornography or an inappropriate relationship with someone of the opposite sex. But pastor, we're just friends. Well, maybe so today, but you're playing with fire. And if you play with fire long enough, you will get burned. Don't explore other options. Instead, do what Proverbs 5, verse 18 and 19 says. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. May you always be captivated by her love. The fifth thing this morning, don't exclude God from your marriage. Don't exclude God from your I, I really don't know how anyone who's, who, I don't know how anyone stays married, let alone stays happily married, without Christ as the center of their life and Christ as the center of their home and Christ as the center of their marriage. Only through God and only through the teaching of God's Word do we have any hope of a lasting, happy marriage. Teachings like unconditional love, teachings like total forgiveness, teachings like unselfishness and uncompromising values. If your marriage is to succeed, you will need God to be the foundation of your marriage. Wow, we've already covered the five things we should not do in marriage. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow, we're halfway home already. Let me give you five things we should do in marriage. 
gave you five things you should not do in marriage. Now let me give you five things that you should do in marriage. The first thing that you ought to do, you should do in marriage, is you should express your needs. Express your needs. Communication, or I should say the lack of communication, is one of the top three biggest problems in marriage. The fact of the matter is everyone has needs. The fact of the matter is God made us that way. He made us needy people. He made us dependent people. And so every person has their needs. And and, and men have their needs and women have, have their needs. And men and women's needs are miles apart. You're trying to meet your spouse's needs in a way that meets your needs. Well, their needs are not necessarily your needs and yours are not necessarily theirs. Because men and women's needs are different from each other. Now, since I'm not a woman, I don't know what my wife, what her needs are unless she tells me what they are. And since she is not a man, and I say, thank God, Aren't you glad God took a mulligan? You know, in golf, for us hackers, we have what we call a mulligan. That means if we mess up, if we've agreed to have a mulligan, that means we get to hit again. And the first one didn't count, but this is the second one. And invariably, that second guy, man, I mean, that first guy may shank it, or he may hit it out of bounds way over there, but that second guy, he just becomes a pro all of a sudden, and he hits one right down the middle of a fair. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God took a mulligan. He made man. And he looked at man and he said, man, that's not very good. I shanked that one. I know I can do a whole lot better than that. I'm going to take a mulligan. And he made woman. How many of you men would agree God did a lot better job making the woman's body than he did the man's body? Come on, guys. How many of you are glad? How many of you men are glad God took a mulligan? But since my wife is not a man, thank God for it. She can't know or she cannot understand my needs unless I am willing to tell her what my needs are. The problem in most marriages is that each spouse just expects the other spouse to know what their spouse's needs are and then that they just expect them to meet them. But nobody's talking. Nobody's communicating. Nobody's telling the other person what their needs are. All they're doing is just sitting around and pouting because their needs aren't getting met. Well, guess what? Ladies, I'm going to tell you what your man's needs are. Gentlemen, I'm going to inform you of your wife's needs. And after today, when you leave this room today, nobody in this room has an excuse ever again for not meeting their spouse's needs. I'm going to tell you what they are. They won't tell you, so I'm going to. I highly recommend the book, His Needs, Her Needs, by Willard F. Harley, Jr. Write that on the back of your notes. His Needs, Her Needs by Willard F. Harley, Jr. I encourage you to invest in this little book and read this book and do what this book says. All right, wives, here are your husband's five most basic needs. Since he's not telling you what his needs are, I'm going to tell you what his needs are. Ladies, your husband needs, number one, 
He needs sexual fulfillment. Pastor, are we going to talk about that in church? Well, we better be. We better. And let me tell you, lady, God made your husband with a desire, a natural, God-given desire for sex. He's not a dirty old man. Well, he might be. I don't know him, but... But just the fact that he uh, wants to have sex with you, that doesn't make him a dirty old man. That makes him normal. And if you weren't willing to satisfy the sexual appetite of your husband, you shouldn't have got married. Because you owe that. To your husband. Well, Pastor, how often will my husband desire sex? Only on days that end in Y. <laughs> Fellas. It ain't going to (laughs) happen. Number two, he needs recreational companionship. See, I don't care how old a man is. There's still a little boy on the inside of him that wants to go outside and play. He'll never... Stop wanting and needing to play. So stop telling him to grow up when he wants to go play. Now, fellas, get your work done before you go play. (laughs) Number three, he needs you to look good for him. He needs an attractive spouse. He's visual. That's why the way God made him. Now you might think it was your bubbly personality that first attracted him to you. Dream on. When he's attracted you, he, to you, he's just hoping you got some kind of personality. That ain't what drew him first. And the men said? (laughs) But pastor, I'm 50 years old. But pastor, I'm 60 years old. Listen, listen, you may not be able to look at 50 like you looked at 25, but he needs you to try. He needs you to try. He needs you to do the best you can with what you've got. Men. And ladies, the good news is the eyes are the first thing to go so he can't see you as clearly as he used to could. <laughs> Number four, he needs domestic support. He's basically a slob. And he needs some help. I know some of this goes along with personality and whatever, but those fellows are a slob. I'm not a slob. I've never been a slob. I've got other faults, but not a slob. Three of us boys growing up, I'm the baby. The baby shouldn't get the, shouldn't get the single room. It should be the oldest, right? It should be the oldest in the middle. That, you know, or, you know, the oldest gets the, the, big, the best room or gets the room by themselves, and then the middle and the... And the youngest gets to share until the middle one then moves out and then the baby gets right. That's probably the way it ought to be. Well, no, it wasn't that way at my home. My mama put the oldest in the middle 
uh, boy together because she said pigs deserve each other. <laughs> and I had my own room from the time I was whatever. Because I was neat, all right? But, you know, most, most men are slobs. They need some help. And he needs some help in the kitchen. I mean, I mean, he doesn't know the difference from a colander and a spatula. He doesn't know the difference. <laughs> Some of you ladies don't either, amen. <laughs> he needs some domestic help. He needs some help around the house. No, no, you are not his slave. But most women are better at this stuff than men. Not all, but some. And I don't have all day to cover all of my bases here and keep myself out of trouble. Hey, fellows, if your wife has a job outside the home, you know, you need to be doing uh, half of the housework. Or at least, you know, uh, I'm doing the yard work in the garage or something. I mean, you need to be pulling your share. And even if your wife doesn't work, but she's raising a couple of your babies, she's got a full-time job, amen, and she needs some help. How am I doing? Am I getting out of trouble? <laughs> Number five, he needs respect and he needs uh, admiration. Wives, your husband needs you to feed his ego. He needs to know that you're proud of him. Oh, oh, he needs you to be his number one cheerleader. My wife constantly tells me that I'm handsome and that I'm a great preacher and that I'm an awesome family man, and she's right. <laughs> Just kidding. I hear about pastor's wives who walk the, walk the halls while their husband preaches. At a preacher's meeting one time, my wife went out to the restroom and the speaker's wife was sitting out there uh, knitting out in the foyer while her husband was preaching our district council our preacher's meeting. And my wife said to her, don't you want to go in and hear your husband preach? And she rolled her eyes and looked at my wife and said, he bores me. One of the reasons one of the churches voted us in was because they had a former pastor's wife who walked the halls and never went in to hear their uh, husband preach. And, 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 and my wife was sitting on the front, front row yelling amen louder than anyone else. When you put me down, she picks me up. Those are the need, the basic needs of a, of a husband, all right? There you go, ladies. These are your husband's five basic needs. Now meet them. I said, now meet them. It's your job. God expects you to meet his needs. And if you don't meet his needs, your husband just might go looking somewhere else. Okay, fellas, your turn. Here are your wife's five basic needs. Number one, she needs affection. I didn't say sex. I said affection. She needs you to be gentle. She needs you to touch her and hug her and caress her in a non-sexual way. She needs you to be kind and uplifting and give her some encouraging words. She needs affection. Number two, she needs conversation. She needs you to talk to her. And grunting doesn't count. And she needs you to listen to her. And listen and listen and listen. And listen. 
And listen, not trying to figure out how you're going to solve her problem. She probably already knows what she's going to do or not. She's not looking for a solution. She's looking for an ear. She's looking for someone to listen to her. Make her feel important by listening. She needs you to let her in on your life. She wants details. Who? When? Where? Why? What? Number three, she needs to be able to trust you. She needs you to be totally honest with her. She needs you to be open with her. She needs you to be vulnerable vulnerable with her. Number four, she needs security. She needs security. She needs you to take care of her. She needs you to provide for her. She needs you to have a regular, say regular. Steady. Say steady. She needs you to have a regular, steady paycheck. You're all excited when you hear about this latest and greatest thing and you're ready to, man, just throw everything away and throw all the security away and walk away from your job and go do this. You're all excited and you can't understand why your wife is not on board and why your wife is dragging her feet and why your wife doesn't want to do it. She needs security. And there's no security in that startup thing. She needs you to go out every single day and kill something and drag it home and, and, and feed it to the family. Number five, she needs family commitment. She needs to know that you're committed to your family. She needs to know that, that your family is number one priority after God. She needs you to be there when Junior hits the ball out of the ballpark. She needs you to be there when, when your little girl is tumbling down the gymnastics mats. She needs you to be there. Well, there you go, fellows. These are your wife's five basic needs. Now meet them. It's your job. God expects you to meet the need of your wife. And if you don't meet them, somebody else might. Now, let me say, again, I don't have time to say everything I want to say this morning, but let me say these are, these are basic needs, basic needs of men and, and women. They, they, there are other needs as well, but these are, these are basic needs, and these needs vary from person to person. <laughs> you might be married to a guy that, you know, when I said he only wanted sex on days that ended in Y, you know, <laughs> sure wish that were true. <laughs> May not be that way for you. Not everyone's different. Everyone's different. These are basic, basic needs. Needs of most men and 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 most women. It's up to you to figure out what does and does not apply and what needs are most important out of these needs. Amen? How are we doing? I'm giving you five things you should do in marriage. Number one, express your needs. Number two, excel at meeting your spouse's needs. See, see, I can just hear the conversation this next week. Pastor said that you were supposed to meet my needs and you're definitely not doing it. 
No, don't do that. Instead of focusing on your unmet needs, focus on meeting the needs of your spouse. In Matthew 7 and 12, Jesus gave what has come to be known as the golden rule. Jesus said here, do to others what you would like them to do to you. Let me ask you this this morning. Would you like your spouse to meet your needs? Three of you would. I guess we'll just go home. Would you like for your spouse to meet your needs? Then meet their needs. Do for them what you would like for them to do for you. Luke 6 and 38, Jesus said, give and you're going to receive. He said, your gift is going to return to you in full. It's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together. It's going to be made room for more running over and poured into your lap. And Jesus said, the amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. It's a principle. And it works in every area of your life. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you a giver or a taker? Are you a giver or a taker? Are you constantly contributing to the relationship or taking from the relationship? And let me ask you this. If you are a taker, how's that working for you? Here's what I've discovered after 42 years of marriage. The nicer I am to my wife, the nicer she is to me. The more I do for her, the more she does for me. The sweeter I am to her, the sweeter she is to me. The more I pay attention to her, the more attention... I seem to get. Excel at meeting your spouse's needs. Amen? And number three this morning, exchange the me mentality for us. Stop talking about you and me. There is no you and me. There's only us and we. Genesis 2 and 24 says, a man shall leave, shall what? A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, be what? And be joined to his wife, and they, and who? And they shall become one flesh. How many? When a man and woman marries, it stops being about you or me, but instead it's now all about us. It's not about you, and it's not about me, it's about us. It's not about what's best for you or what's best for me, oh, but it's what's best, about, what's best for us. How will this or that or something else affect us? Not, not how will it affect you or how it will affect you. No, no, no. How is this or that or something else going to affect us? Is it going to help us or is it going to hurt us? Is it going to draw us closer together or is it going to pull us apart? Couples start making decisions based on what's best for them as a couple instead of them as an individual. Their marriage will be much healthier. Notice the fourth thing you should do in marriage. That is, you should experience life together. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 9 says, Live happily. With the woman you love through all of the days of your life. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your hard work. So whatever you do, do it together. Wherever you go, go together. Whoever you become, become it together. I joined hands with my wife 42 years ago. We, we were just kids. We were just high school sweethearts. And we've walked through life together. 
We've been to the top of the highest mountain and we've been in the lowest of valleys. We've been with and we've been without. We've laughed and we've cried. Oh, oh, we've experienced life's pleasures and we've experienced life's pressures. But we've done it together. If you're married, let me challenge you. Take your spouse by the hand and hand in hand experience life together. Have those date nights. Let Grammy and Paul Paul watch the kids. Go on a date. Take those long weekends together. After work on Friday, come back just in time to get in church on Sunday morning. Amen. <laughs> Take those long weekends together. Have some fun. Do some stuff together. You might say, but Pastor, we can't afford it. I tell you, you cannot afford the consequences that will come if you don't do it. And if you're broke, get creative. Take long walks through the park. Clip some coupons. Sneak in if you have to. Just kidding. Hey, my wife and I, we go places and we do things that we didn't, where we didn't go and we didn't do 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Things we didn't even dream about. But we still went places, still did things. Amen. There's nothing else. We piled in on family and, you know, used them as a bed and breakfast. Amen. Get creative. Get creative. Hey, guess what? We're down to our last commandment. Hey, we might just beat the Baptist to the restaurant today. Number five, the fifth thing. Extend a mountain of grace. Marriages that last are made up of generous grace givers. They're made up of two spouses who are quick. To forgive. Oh, oh, you might say, but pastor, but pastor, you, you, you don't, you don't understand, pastor. You don't know what my spouse did. Well, maybe not. But I'm pretty sure you're no saint either. I'm pretty sure that you have said some things and done some things and acted in some ways that you're not too proud of either. Am I right? Three people said, Amen. Guys are either liars or under so much conviction today, it's terrible. Did you know that Jesus said that if we are not willing to forgive, that we cannot be forgiven? Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 15, he said, if you refuse to forgive others, he said, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. That means if I don't forgive my spouse or anybody else, I cannot be forgiven. And if I cannot be forgiven, I cannot go to heaven. Wow. Musicians and singers get back in place this morning very quickly, please. We're talking about what I'm calling the Ten Commandments of Mary. Your homework assignment for today is to go home and start meeting the needs of your spouse. You can't say anymore, I don't know what their needs are. I told you what their needs are. Now go meet them. That's your homework. Go meet the needs of your spouse. And if you're in a relationship but not married, your assignment, your homework is to examine your relationship. Examine your relationship. Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? 
Because marriage is for keeps, or it's supposed to be. Marriage is for life, or it's supposed to be. And may I tell you that there's something far worse than living life alone. And that is living life with the wrong May I tell you that if you marry that person you're in a relationship with now, they're not going to get better. They're putting their best forward, foot forward right now. The best one they got is going forward right now. Hello? The little things you wonder about, <laughs> they're there. <laughs> and the closet door's just kind of squeaking right now, but when you get married, it's going to open up. Hello? Testing, testing, one, two, three. If you're in a relationship and not married, your assignment is to examine your relationship. Make sure you pray about your relationship. Make sure you have total peace in your heart about your relationship. Make sure you have God's blessing on your relationship before you take the next step and take it to the next level. Amen? How'd I do? I do okay? Stand with me this morning. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Father, I just pray today I just pray today, God, that the words that I've shared today will do what needs to be done in the heart and the life of your people today. God, in a crowd this size, I know there's, there's, some, there's some people here that are struggling in their marriage today. There might even be people who've talked about divorce or separation. No doubt there are people in relationships that are here today, God, and they need to hear the Word of God. I just pray, God, that you will help us, Father, to hear the voice of the Lord through the Word today and through the Holy Spirit today. We will work in our hearts and in our lives today. Jesus' name, amen. Let's come forward to the front this morning. Everyone, just move forward. Now I tell you, so goes the home, so goes the church. church is built up of people, families. I probably didn't tell most of you anything you didn't already know. Didn't tell you anything I hadn't already told you before somewhere down the line in some other message or whatever. Someone needs a reminder today. Some just needed the information. Others need a reminder. I'm so glad that God looked at man and he said, Hey, it's not good that man to be alone. He loves his dog and he likes riding his horse, but that just doesn't quite do it for him. So he opened up man and took something from man. Make woman. She would complete him. 
What a blessing it is to have a loving, supportive companion. Maybe you don't have that. Maybe you dream about that. Maybe you wish for that. Maybe you hope for that. And I wish and dream and hope for you as well. Let me just encourage you. Don't get in a rush. Don't get in a hurry. And don't think that the fellow that shows up on Friday night at 7 o'clock is the same guy that's going to show up every day, 24-7. That ain't him. That's his best. And if it ain't much, amen? Take some time, lots of time to know each other, to know their families, their families, all of that good stuff. Amen. Father, I just pray again today, Father, for those who may be struggling in their marriage today. God, I just pray, Lord, that, God, that they will most of all have a desire, Father, that their marriage, Lord, will be, will be healed and whole and better. Father, I just pray for each one of us today, Lord, as we've heard the word, Lord, there's no excuse for us anymore. We know what our spouse's needs are. God, I pray that you will help us to do our very best, first of all, to discover what the genuine needs are and what are out of those needs, which are the most important, and do our best to, 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 to work on those things that we, at least those most important needs of their, of their life, we, we, we do our best to meet them. Help us to treat our spouse like we want to be treated. Father, the great marriages, Lord, the, the, the strong marriages, may they continue, Father. May they understand, Lord, that they're great and they're strong because, because they've worked on it down through the years. God, help them, Lord, not to, not to quit working on their marriage, but to keep working and keep working and keep working on it. And those that are, that are looking at marriage and, 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 and working in relationships right now, God, help them to take the time, God, and help them to pray and help them to seek the face of God and help them, Lord, to seek after peace, Lord, to know, Lord, what you want in this relationship, whether it goes forward or not. Father, we thank you and we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.